I think one of the quests of humanity is to constantly drive down to what did God intend for things and then to live in that. And that's where I feel like when Christ says that he's come that our joy may be full next to the beautiful gift of salvation, he's also given us this way of living, practical living that works. Dallas Willard is absolutely right. Jesus is the master of molecules, the most brilliant person to walk the planet. He's the ultimate educator, the true mastermind. To more completely learn from Jesus is ultimate human development. We become kingdom agents, vice regents under King Jesus. Jesus, God, is sovereign we exercise dominion as his vice regents. This is Brian Del Turco. You're listening to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode number 93. Denver Daniel is with us today. He's the president of Open Door Christian Schools, and he's more than that, as you'll hear. I'd like to call your attention to several episodes recently on the podcast. Episode 91, Live It Well with Susan Jordan, How to Live with Vitality, Spirit, Soul, and Body. She's a physical trainer, a nutritionist. She's an expert on health and wellness and living with vitality. That's episode 91. Episode 90, Step Out, God May Show Up Big. That was me, okay? Episode 89 with Mary DeMuth. She's a national voice on sexual abuse issues and the empowerment of women in the church. No one elevates women like King Jesus is the title of that episode. And then episode 88, Designer Sex with Dr. Julie Slattery, episode 88. Denver Daniel is a career educator. He has served as the president of Open Door Christian Schools since 2013. There's more about his bio on the inside of the conversation. He has several master's degrees and most recently recognized as a Colson Fellow by the Colson Institute, a cultural think tank that serves to equip the body of Christ to be agents of God's restoration. You see, Christ following is more than just saying a prayer, attending church, just to go to heaven someday. It's ultimate human development. We become kingdom agents, vice regents under King Jesus. Jesus wants to develop in us a worldview. Denver calls it a life view, which is beyond Darwinism. Okay, it's beyond secular humanism, modernism, and even the current soup that we swim in, postmodernism. The Jesus worldview is sourced in a higher kingdom. We actually begin to think and live in light of the age which is to come. What am I referring to? I'm referring to the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus called it the restoration of all things in the Gospels. You see, there is a meta-narrative. There is a grand, enormous story that's unfolding, the God story, and we have the opportunity, once we're in Christ, to be engrafted into that meta-narrative with the life narrative, our personal life story. We have an opportunity to really, Jesus said, become as children. I mean, frankly, we're born again, so we start over again, as it were, And Jesus also taught about being as a child, 
And that is a true beginner's mind. We're not going to let the Zen Buddhists just totally pirate that concept. That's really a Jesus concept, a, a child's mind, a learning mind, a mind which unlearns and learns. It's supple. It's imaginative. It's open to new things. It's not the stuck adult, quote unquote, expert mind. It's the beginner's mind. And that's what Jesus calls us to. You see, even as adults, we're always commencing. We're always graduating. Jesus always wants to level us up. We're always graduating into new seasons and commencing into new things. We are forever learners. Frankly, I believe myself, and there's many voices that say this, that we will forever be learning, forever growing in the new heavens and the new earth, a great time of exploration and advancement. So you'll hear some ambient noise. We met in a uh, bistro behind the conversation coffee and conversation going on, but that's great. That's where we like to meet, okay? I think you're going to enjoy this. Here's a great news source, Denver Daniel. Hey, I'm excited today to be sitting here in a coffee shop with Denver Daniel. Denver works in the education space. Hey, Denver, let me ask you right at the outset, what do you think of um, Dallas Willard's statement that if we're going to put the bumper sticker, Jesus is Lord on our car, right next to it, we should have Jesus is brilliant. What do you think? I think that it's absolutely true. And it's uh, one of my quests in life is to make that alive to the students entrusted to our care. He goes on to say that um, Jesus knows how life works best. He says things like what makes Jesus so attractive is that he empowers the human condition. Does does Jesus know how life works best, like with sex, for example, or gender or, or family issues, finances, wellness? What do you think? I, I absolutely agree uh, that he does. I mean, he has a, uh, a system in place that from the beginning was perfect. And I think one of the quests of humanity is to constantly drive down to what did God intend for things and then uh, and then to live in that. And that's where I feel like when Christ says that he's come that our joy may be full uh, next to the beautiful gift of salvation, he's also given us this way of living, practical living uh, that works. Yeah, that works. I like that, like design thinking. Is there some sense in which, you know, Adam, where are you? That question in Genesis and then... Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Is there some sense in which he is seeking us not just to go to heaven, but to help us begin to return to original design? I think that's the quest of his life. The reason why he came to earth, Brian, is that he's wanting in a very real way uh, to show uh, that it's more than just him being a savior from our sins and from the penalty of them. He's wanting to show us what he intended for us from the beginning when he was creating the beautiful design that he did, how that he planned us to be a masterpiece in it. Yeah, yeah, and he's a designer, and I think that creators and designers don't like for their creation or their design to be corrupted, <laughs> you know, and I think he's coming back to redeem that and restore all things eventually, but, but the process is underway now. And I'm really excited to talk about like the education space, spiritual formation, the, the transformation of the mind. Denver Daniel is a career educator who has served as the president of Open Door Christian Schools in Northern Ohio since 2013. 
Before that, he worked for 18 years in public ed as a teacher, principal, and system leader, also serving as a bivocational pastor, assisting in the ministry of students, and ultimately uh, the whole congregation of the church as well. He's passionate about creating a school culture where Christ is known across every touch point of a student's experience. I like that, every touch point. He also loves serving fellow Christians. He serves as a consultant to Christian schools. He's on the ACSI, the Accreditation Commission, where he's a chairperson of the Midwest East Region, holds a bachelor's degree in elementary ed, two master's degrees, one in educational admin and the other in biblical studies. Okay, now we're gonna, bri- we're gonna bridge uh, theology and education, right? Um, additionally, he holds a life recognition from the National Parent Teachers Association, advocacy of children, and most recently uh, recognized as a Colson Fellow of the Colson Institute, uh, a cultural think tank that serves to equip ordinary people to be agents of God's restoration. Now, there's a sentence there that puts some voltage in me, Denver. Um, He's, uh, his family life is his highest value, his beautiful wife Dawn, father to three children who are in high school and college. Favorite Bible verse, Philippians 3.8. What is it about Philippians 3.8, Denver, that turns your crank there? Well, it just it reminds me that the whole purpose and essence of my being uh, is to know Christ. And that any any and other any and every other thing is uh, pales in comparison to the beautiful glory. Just as you were reading those things, uh, Brian, uh, I'm thankful for the opportunities that the Lord has given. But uh, just humbly, as I was listening to those, uh, just saying to myself, "To God be the glory." Yeah. Just, uh, all of it is about loving Jesus and seeing how to and. and ever challenging myself on how to love him well and then how to point others to the beautiful relationship that he offers to them. Absolutely. How to pursue the storyline that he's given us. And uh, life is uh, life is full, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's challenging, it's beautiful, and it's like every day we wake up and it seems that um, if we're really wanting to pursue the storyline he's given us, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of things to do plenty of uh, energy to pursue. So yeah, Philippians 3.8, I count everything as lost. Paul says, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. So um, Denver, I'm interested in talking about this educational space and the issue of worldview. The term worldview is kind of a heady term, isn't it? I think it comes from a German word that means a comprehension, a comprehensive conception or image of reality or of the universe, our relation to it. What is meaning? It's how we see and interpret things. It's sort of a lens, isn't it, through which it, we we view things? A- absolutely. It's a it, and it is so uh, it's so comical when I look back at my life. And if anybody was to uh, ask Brian, I, am I like this career academic? I would tell you. Uh, I, and tell them, no, I, I would actually have ran away from that. Then I look at all the things kind of in the educational space that I've done, and I'm like, well, I guess I can't run away too far. Okay. Uh, but uh, but worldview is, with, along those lines, uh, worldview actually is a word that concerns me a bit when I'm talking to people because almost immediately uh, people start placing a cerebral lens and distance from it. 
Um, I think one of my quests and one of the reasons why I think the Lord's called me into education is uh, how can I break that down into just practical living? And so for me, a worldview very much is a life view. Okay. It's how you, it's how you approach life. It's how you do life. And, um, and then when, and instead of just getting up and just going through the motions of the day, understanding that there is a, phil- a philosophical system uh, that you have that maybe sometimes you subtly don't even realize you have uh, that's guiding the practical outworkings of your day. And so a worldview or a life view is, is kind of taking a deep dive in what's what's the philosophy on how I live my life? Does worldview slash life view, does that does a lot of that run at a subconscious level that we're really not always, you know, it's really not at the front of our prefrontal uh, with, cortex without all the time? question, it does. I think the rhythm and the patterns of the day, just being familiar, uh, there's many times that we don't. I, I liken it to kind of uh, driving to uh, a place of work that you've worked at for years. Okay. Do you actually remember all of the details of that trip from point A to point B on a daily basis? You may have remembered that when you first started out, uh, but a long time uh, with different layers, dimensions, uh, we kind of lose what the purpose is because we're used to it or we're familiar. So I absolutely do think that one of the biggest challenges uh, in a Christian's life uh, is to remind ourselves to think a little bit deeper as to the why we do what we do, Yeah. Um, even in the regular practical things of life. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in Jesus' invitation to a second childhood. You know, he said we must become as children to be to enter into the kingdom. He says, and, you know, we must be born again. I mean, that's quite a radical statement. We take it so for granted with born-again language, you know. But it's really a radical statement. Nicodemus couldn't, couldn't get his mind around it, you know, in that conversation in John 3. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a Zen Buddhist. I do like one element of their teaching, which I think is actually stolen from Jesus. <laughs> and that is the beginner's mind. You know, the beginner's mind is a childlike mind. It's a mind that's open to learning new things. It's, it's supple. It, it's, not a, it's not an adult expert mind that, you know, knows everything and is not open to learning new things. I mean, when we come to Christ, we have to have a beginner's mind, don't we? We have to, like, unlearn and learn, don't we? Yeah, the term that I use a lot or the phrasing that I use is that we have to come with a learner's heart. Okay. Um, And so do do we really, and so when Christ is uh, encouraging us to be like a child, uh, a child is a sponge for learning. uh, And I think that our challenge is, as adults that have a lot of experiences, um, and sometimes those experiences lend themselves to expertise, is to constantly have that learner's heart. And I I share with people a lot that even if you've been in the same vocation or even if you're an expert in your field, uh, the essential of our worldview reminds us that we've never been that expert on this day. So we enter into this uh, maybe with past experiences of success, but the learner's heart and the humility attached with it reminds ourselves on a daily basis of our need of God's providential wisdom and instruction and favor uh, for us to move forward, even in the areas that the world would deem us as experts in. Yeah, I love that. I think that is, you know, if, if, if we're really going to advance with Christ as an apprentice with Christ, you know, yoked together with him, he says, come to me, 
learn from me if we're going to be an apprentice of his kingdom. We're probably going to have to unlearn some things and relearn some things and have our mind our so mind renewed and, and transformed. We're, we're in a postmodern age. Uh, is it possible as a Christian to um, really have some elements of our worldview which are, are not accurate, not aligned with Christ and his kingdom? And the worldview of Jesus, if we could say that. Oh, I would say that it's the constant danger, and not only in a postmodern society. I think that that's one as you study the writings of Paul and study uh, what Jesus was, uh, what encouraged us. There is always a danger to take our line of thinking and to put Christianity in it instead of doing what Romans tells us to do, which is transform yourselves by the renewing of your mind. It's a... There is a challenge always that we take our thinking that is, and our thinking is influenced by the cultural norms of the day. Um, and uh, there's this danger that we try and put Christ in our way of thinking as opposed to allowing Christ to transform our way of thinking. Yeah. How do we get our worldview? I mean, Jesus said we must be born again. So the inference seems to be there's something fundamentally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> with our first birth, right? Yeah. Uh, because of the fall, from a Christian perspective, how do we get our worldview? How does it seep into us? What 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 layers that into us? Yeah, so I I think there's a couple of things. I, I feel like number one, our uh, we can never minimize our cultural uh, uh, construct that we're in context that we're uh, living in. Uh, without yeah. question, we are flooded with messaging about what is correct on a daily basis. Um, uh, and so we, we start getting our worldview and our worldview is consistently shaped or challenged as a Christ follower into thinking that uh, a, certain, a certain way in approaching life. So culture and, and the people that we hang out with, the conversations that we have, all of those things, the places we go, sure. all of those things shape Cult, uh, shape our thinking um, in a very real way. How we're corrected uh, okay. shapes uh, uh, in a very real way. So who we allow to be the authorities in our life, yeah. Um, and especially as adults, you know, when we're uh, when we're children, we have some natural authorities, but who we yield ourselves to be the authorities in our life very much uh, start shaping our worldview as well. You know, there's a humility and a wisdom in accepting admonition and teaching and instruction. I like to do a little wordplay in my own thinking about the word instruction. It's inputs which create new structures of, you know, thought and perspective, transformation on on the inside. Um, let's just take one lens and look at something related to worldview and life view, as, as you like to put it. Let's look at the area of like gender and sexuality, marriage. It's obviously a big, a big edge in our culture right now. How is the church doing in this area with discipling? Uh, is there some sense in which the world system is out discipling? the church sort of a softball there yeah right right well i think it's even greater than uh just uh so i'll go larger and then uh, we'll narrow down if it's okay on uh, the issues of gender sexuality and types but i i would argue that uh, the church as a church and i put myself right in it we are the church it's so it's not an us and they uh but i think one of the things that the church really needs to challenge ourselves as we think through deeply 
is have we really implemented our worldview with fidelity? And, and the reason why I, I say that is, I mean, we have basically, if we believe in, uh, in the meta-narrative of Scripture, which okay. is we believe in creation, that's what God intended and it was perfect. We believe in uh, and the fall, which is the brokenness of man, sin entered into the world and consequences through it. And then we rede- uh, believe in redemption that's offered through Christ's Son. And yeah. then we see a commissioning take place okay. from that redemption. That we are to be salt and light. We're to be these redeeming agents. And so just taking those uh, kind of big ideas, creation, fall, redemption, and then this commissioning uh, as redeeming agents... I would say that the church has done a phenomenal job, actually, of showing how God intended things to be in creation. I would say that they would have done an equally good job of showing the consequences of sin um, and, uh, and, and the uh, evidence of the fall. I think we've done a great job of pointing the way to our need of a Savior uh, in Jesus but that's not our complete worldview. Okay. It's our complete worldview is that once we are saved, how are we living in a way to impact culture now? And uh, now, presently, and so, uh, so then, so then we have to challenge ourselves. Uh, how is that being done, and is that being done effectively? So when the cultural trends happen or the cultural hot buttons happen are uh, are we truly running away from it to say well the bible says that this is wrong the bible says that this is sin so we continue the narrative of here's what god intended creation here's the outcomes from the fall but are we challenging ourselves as believers to engage as redeeming agents because that's what Christ commissioned his disciples to do and that's what he's telling us to do. We So in issues of sexuality and issues of whatever the cultural pieces are, yeah. I always feel like, honestly, we've lagged a step or two behind um, for fear of our worldview being lost when the reality is our doing nothing or our lack of engagement in those things is actually losing our worldview at the onset because we're trying to preserve something that's not whole or complete. Mm. Um, So I I think that if I was just even to judge myself, have I always and am I always going about the business, trying to be a redeeming agent and loving people in all things and pointing yeah. them to Christ. Um, and, and sometimes the answer has been, I've been uh, more interested in using the, uh, the life that Christ gives and preserving that life than I have been in promoting that life. And I think that that's a challenge um, from a, a, that I would like to put out there to all believers is like, how well are we actually going about promoting it um, as opposed to just declaring what's, uh, what's sin or what's broken or not? Yeah, I think you're touching on something there that is vital, vital. With, um I, I want to ask you a sidebar question, but it's clearly related to this, this thread of discussion that we're on. Jesus said something to this effect that the sons of the kingdom of darkness are more shrewd in relation to their own kind or their own generation or 
I don't know how we interpret that, their own system of operation, which would be the world system, then are the sons of the kingdom of light. He seems to be saying there, Izzy, help me with this. This is a, it's a verse, it's a teaching that's, that's always challenged me, but, but is, he, is he saying there that they're outperforming you, they're better than you, but they have an inferior system. They're, they're operating according to a system of darkness, <clears throat> excuse me, the world system, but they're better at it than you are. <laughs> it's, it's, is, is this something like what he's saying yeah, there? Well, I, it's I don't think it's a compliment. It's a real no, coaching up no, moment, isn't it? No, it's an indictment, and it's like, hey, let's uh, let's get moving on things. You know, he also, another real quick uh, passage yeah. that he sa- shares, he also tells his disciples, be wise as serpents and harmless yes. as doves. That's right. So there, there is a level of engagement and intellectual engagement, like strategy and intentionality on how we introduce our worldview to a culture um, and cultural trends and cultural hot buttons such as sexuality, such as uh, gender. Um, but going back to the original question, Brian, I think that the challenge is for us when we think of who uh, and what Jesus is, he's wanting us to, to know full well that there is an adversary that is actively promoting and will do so in a variety of ways. And we need to be, we do need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's our life view. I just, uh, I, I just read uh, something that a real quippy uh, saying over the weekend that talked about that if we try to entertain as the world entertains, we will lose every time. Uh, we will always get out entertained by the world. Uh, but if we are truly intentional in sharing so what, who we, we are, <laughs> we try uh, to put on our little pony show and yeah, compete with the exactly. world. So I think I think the challenge for us is to truly realize that we have something special, and I I think sometimes we uh, have an advantage in terms yes, of narrative. Yeah, correct. It's just that are we presenting the alternative narrative well? Is my question. Because Denver, you were saying that what the church is doing very well is we, we inter- we, we're, we're very good on creation, the fall, the sin, the need for redemption. And I would add, we're very good on pointing people, leapfrogging and pointing them into the future to quote unquote heaven. But when you're dealing with a 16 year old, yeah. as you are, mm-hmm. right? They are wired to start living. God has Correct. made them that way. They're wired for the community of family life. They're wired to make a dent in this world. They aspire to their career. What is my place in this world? And if our message to them is only that you're a wretch, get saved to go to heaven someday. And, but what about the intervening narrative of their life? Are we adequately, are we telling them that your personal life story can fit into this greater narrative? I mean, I appreciate the four spiritual laws. I've, I've recently read that they're probably the most widely used instrument of presenting the Gospels. One of the questions is, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Let's just think about that for a moment. It's an important question. It's a baseline concern, but is that it? Well, yeah. I, think, I think one of the questions or points is, too, that God is a beautiful story for your life because I, I probably stand corrected, you know, yeah. uh, as I think about it. But what do you think about that? In a postmodern society, I think one of the really critical things is we have to ask... If that question, while that question is correct, does that question necessarily work? If you have somebody that believes that life is not transcendent, that question doesn't work. You, 
so what we have to do with uh, with our life view, with our world, is we have to show, is the world broken? And is the world broken here and now? And it doesn't take too many headlines. It doesn't take too many things <laughs> to be able to very clearly say, the world is broken. Now you, now you have a platform to start going into, why is it broken? And then... Uh, and then the next uh, platform is, is there a fix? Is there a macro level fix? Yeah, good questions. Um, and, yeah. and, and then <laughs> from there, uh, you're able. So when you're talking about the 16-year-old, I have to show, even though I, I'm blessed to be a president of a Christian school, that mm -hmm. doesn't make all kids saved. You know, the Lord calls and draws. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit can only do what the Holy Spirit can do. But... My task is to show them the reality of the truth of the life view and Jesus's words in the here and now. What is the practical cultural relevancy of that piece? Not just from a transcendent place. Uh, I mean, and and we can never divorce eternity from our life no. view because uh, it, it wouldn't be our life view. We have to have that horizon. View. Yeah, absolutely. But we also have to be able to show them that the whole purpose in, uh, of Christ coming to save us is actually to save us in the now as well. It's right here, it, right now, yes. starts. Yeah. And so then, then the question becomes, after they've received the most beautiful gift that they will ever receive and they've accepted the greatest calling that they ever will receive, then our next challenge is, okay, what are you to do with it? How does this, how does this life view work itself out in your day-to-day -day workings of life, in the career that you'll choose, in the, uh, in the uh, things, in the way that you parent, in, uh, in the college you choose to go to, all of those things from a lens of I'm living for the Lord uh, and I'm uh, as a redeeming agent of him. That's the piece that I feel is so vitally important yeah. for us to communicate to young people, but to be honest, to communicate uh, to the 40-something-year-old. Oh, know, we're all, my world, we're to know? live as <laughs> eternal children, so to speak, right? And and, and to constantly be... So, yeah. exactly. So, it's... Uh, I, I shared this with my staff yesterday. Uh, Brian may have some relevancy to this uh, conversation, mm -hmm. but... Um, you know, seasons of life, as we know, uh, change. I, I'm blessed to be a parent of three. Um, well, in um, month of August, two of my three went off to college. For years, uh, my house had a certain rhythm. I had a certain identity. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, that identity is not the same anymore. Now they're going out and they're coming in, yeah, as it says it's in like, Psalms. Yeah, right? so yeah. it's like... So if my identity is completely shaped in that season, I'm in trouble. But if my identity is shaped in a life view that is foundational across every experience, yeah. um, then I will be able to navigate the challenges, the differences, the seasons of life. And I think that that is one of the things that are that we need to continue to press in the church and to continue to impress in young minds and older minds alike is that we have uh, uh, we have something that will work in every season of life we're always graduating aren't we yes we're always commencing it's not just high school or college but 
throughout adulthood. Correct. Jesus is the ultimate. I mean, you want a master's degree. Jesus gives you the master's degree. He is the master, right? And he's always graduating us, leveling us up, commencing us into new seasons. Yes. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I feel the same thing. My wife and I look at, like, we have a, a daughter who just graduated from college, is in her first job. We have another one who's in college. We have two that are still in high school. But you know what? Our attitude is like, you know what? We're graduating too, man. Yes. We're, <laughs> we're commencing too. We're on the cusp of new seasons too. We're not yeah. like, our parenting role is changing. We're helping you with this, but we're also doing it. And uh, I, I think that's the way Jesus, Absolutely. Jesus runs with us. Yeah. And, and what, a, what a great, fantastic life view then we have, Brian, is that we have confidence. You know, one of my favorite passages of scriptures in Romans 5 that speaks to, you know, we go through trials. Trials uh, bring about ex- uh, uh, patience. Patience uh, brings about experience. Experience brings about hope. Mm-hmm. That is a cyclical pattern that works for us throughout like every that. season of our life. Yeah. And so the challenge and the charge is, is absolutely until the Lord, uh, uh, you know, glorifies himself ultimately. Yes. Our job is to continue to uh, grow and become like him. And he brings us these different seasons and challenges and experiences. So I don't have to just wait for eternity. I can be actively engaged in a system that will work for me now. Okay, the 16-year-old, but you're saying even the 40-year-old, the 50-year-old, the 60-year-old needs a story now. We need to be living in the powers of the age which are to come now, right, as a witness of that age, but, but not sort of flatlining and just waiting for heaven. I'm, I'm, you know, I think N.T. Wright is really helping us, Dallas Willard, others. Our conception of heaven anyway is just insufficient. Heaven as it is now is a temporary state. It's all coming here. Jesus spoke of the restoration of all things, the new heavens and the new earth, right? Yeah, I so, mean, the, the heavenly so city good. is coming down to this planet. We don't think that way. I don't know what we think like. We're like Hallmark thinking about heaven or something. Well, it's, uh, it's funny. And I mean, and this is just my uh, finite mind revealing itself at its best, Brian. I don't, <laughs> I can't even grab a hold of what eternity will look like i'm thankful for the glimpses that scripture there's uh, glimpses like, uh, but and i love it, the way it's that like peering Paul through tells a mist, us, yeah, yeah, yeah we faith. look through it darkly but here's the thing that i love um i can grab a hold of the here and now and even though i don't fully understand uh it all i can see it work and so the the challenge for us especially in educational systems, is that I have to make sure that I'm showing the truth of uh, our worldview, our life view in the day-to-day. And, and thank God it does work. It works. Now, I'm, I'm excited about something you're doing at the school. You're not only instilling worldview into children and, and adolescents and young adults, but you're reaching out beyond the brick-and-mortar school into the region, actually, with public events and initiatives that are really seeking to bring worldview or life view, as you say, mm-hmm. 
to the greater population, right? To 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 the community yeah, at large. Yeah, I mean, so we are super excited about what we and the Lord has blessed us to do, and really the vision that He's given us, and just constantly looking for partners to forward that vision. And uh, and so what uh, what we really believe, and I'll go back to a life view statement: if we really believe that our our life view cannot just be in solely an intellectual exercise, it has to be an engagement. There's really uh, four guiding principles in our instruction that tie directly into this. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to provide our students the biblical truth. Um, What is the biblical truth that will last timelessly? Um, what's true now, true always. That's a, a distinctive of our Christian worldview. Yeah, absolute truth, uh, which and is so, unchanging. I, I, so we give them the biblical truth. Then we apply that biblical truth to cultural relevancy. Okay. Um, and then the third element is practical application, which is where uh, we're at. And then the fourth one is uh, an apologetic for our faith, which it seems like culture, uh, cr- the Christian community is running towards the uh, the apologetic of our faith, which I would just encourage everyone, even before I get into the active engagement of the original question, I, I would uh, pause everyone that instead of us running to give a, uh, an apologetic for our faith initially, let's teach people how to love our faith. There's no greater apologetic that will ever uh, be provided than a Christian home in a neighborhood actively loving people in their sure. neighborhood yeah. in the name of Christ. And so um, so with all of that, the vision that we have for our school is that we would not just be this institution that only is for the people uh, that we're blessed to serve in a traditional classroom setting that we would use our time, talent, and treasure to extend our work to the greater good um, and, and, be a, uh, and to be a really a conduit of Christian resourcing to the Christian community. So to bring in conferences that maybe a, a church couldn't individually afford or host, we have... We have the resources to do yeah. that. What does your conference look like? I know yeah, it was. So we do a uh, we do a couple of things, but um, the one that we've done for the last three years has been our Rooted in Truth conference, uh, which actually is uh, co-sponsored uh, with uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Has uh, yeah. uh, worked with us the World last class three apologetics, years. Apologetics, yeah, yeah, and so uh, we have uh, we have a regional event. Uh, that has hosted uh, each day that we've done it over the last three years in February. We've had over a thousand people attend. It's awesome. Um, the first uh, part of the day is to all of the Christian schools in the area. We have people that just love Jesus and love people enough where they have basically foot the bill, for lack of a better way of saying it, to host this conference okay. and bring in top shelf people um, to just share the truth and how the truth works in real life situations. Um, and then uh, in the evening, we have a regional event where we uh, reach out to the local pastors or youth groups or college age ministries, and we encourage them to bring 
their churches to the event as yeah. well. And so it's things like that. It's a great flagship event. That we want to be known for. Right. Um, in October, we're uh, incredibly excited about uh, launching, a, uh, launching a Kingdom Diversity event. Uh, where we're bringing in Dr. Uh, Walter Strickland, who's out of Southeastern Baptist uh, College. Okay. Uh, and he is going to be spending a day at our school um, and actually several days at our school over the course of the next two years. Um, and he is going to be teaching us what is biblical diversity. Everybody has a definition on diversity today. Yeah. Um, and uh, all of those definitions, for the most part, d- uh, begin with people matter and thank God they do. And our life view shows that. Uh, but we need to really examine what do the scriptures say about how we engage with one, another's, uh, one another and how we appreciate one another. So the goal is that after he is working with our students and our staff, that we are going to be having a regional pastors conference um, in the winter where he will uh, be uh, ministering to them. And so the whole goal is like, if I am blessed to be a school that has over 100 churches different uh, represented and uh, representing a region rather than a community, which at times can, uh, communities can be very homogenous, we have an opportunity at our school to showcase what the body fitly joined together yeah, can excellent. look like. And so yeah, we need and, that webbing, don't we? Exactly. Instead of living in our silos. And- and we're not just content, Brian, to uh, just bring it only to our school. Our heart is that we want to be a resource for life view, worldview instruction for the region. Uh, in the marketplace of ideas. In the market. Not just in quote-unquote Christian events. But, Absolutely. But you're a fellow of the Colson Institute, and they teach a lot about worldview, don't they? And Absolutely. A, a, another world-class organization, Charles Colson, is yeah, with the Lord now. But one of the... Uh, one of the greater blessings of my life was uh, to undertake an intense but good training. Um, nine months uh, of intense work that really uh, challenges you to think on how to be a redeeming agent in, in our culture and not just to sit back and pine for the days when everybody agreed with us, if there ever was such a time as that. Uh, but, uh, Maybe on the Andy Griffith yeah, show right, or something exactly. of that, something yeah, of that vibe, but, you know, I don't know. But, uh, but just how do we... Uh, how do we as believers engage in the uh, in the cultural issues of the day how do we how do we meaningful meaningfully honor people um and love people as christ tells us to do while simultaneously holding a standard yeah. of truth that he also So what proclaims. are the spaces that the uh, Colson Institute is concerned about? I imagine it's these cultural spaces like education, maybe sure. civic government, media, arts and entertainment, so he, those, those uh, kinds of areas. Uh, so all of those uh, areas actually. So Business. government, um, uh, heavy emphasis on vocation. Uh, I would say that they're, the way that they construct it is what are the issues of the day? Uh, so whether that's uh, diversity, urbanization, sexuality, um, uh, you know, and then they start looking at the contracts or uh, constructs or the pla- uh, places that you can influence those things. And then they do an excellent job of giving examples of people that are making a difference um, 
in those things. So not just sitting back talking about it, uh, but going after it, which Real is world precisely, studies, yeah. yes, uh, which is precisely, you know, going back to our school and something that you said earlier, our students cannot just sit and learn about these things. They have to actively engage in serving their community outside of a quote unquote church ministry. And that's just something that we're really passionate about and layer in programmings to, and then ultimately even introduce them to a calling and vocation uh, so that they know that whatever road that they choose, if they're a Christ follower, they don't take off their Christ follower hat in that road, that they are constantly pursuing Christ and being an ambassador for him in whatever uh, role that the Lord has placed in front of them. I love that. Let me ask one more question, Denver. Okay. The word church in the New Testament, the Greek word is ekklesia. It's actually a secular Greco-Roman word that Jesus used to describe what he was building. (laughs) It's really phenomenal when you start digging into this. You know, he didn't choose the word like synagogue or temple (laughs) or uh, he he chose the word. It, it, It was something invented by the Greeks. The Romans used it. The idea is that it's a body of people that are called out like influence, uh, the, the Romans would establish like the city of Philippi was a was in a, a Roman ecclesia. It represents Rome. Are we as the church? I'm assuming we are to represent the values of of Christ and His kingdom, and we are to be an influence in culture as a cultural influence, right? A city on a hill. The idea was that if the Roman imp- if the Roman emperor came to Philippi, he would feel welcome. He would see Roman architecture there, Roman institution, you know. So how does this apply to us? Yeah, that is awesome. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the same passage of Scripture uh, that uh, the city on a hill is referenced and yeah. where Christ commissions us and tells us, hey, we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. And um, as a body, as a church, uh, we have to, uh, I really think that we have to become, honestly, Brian, a little bit more mobile. Um, and fluid because it used to be when the values of culture were supported by us uh, or, or supported, I should say, our worldview. Even if they weren't believers, they were supporting the, uh, the systems that are in place were supporting of us. So sort of this like whole cultural Christendom, Christianity yeah, in, in exactly. a sense, right? Yeah. And, and now that's changing. And I don't say that bemoaning. I don't say that, uh, I actually say that that is simply a fulfilling of what scripture declares would happen. But in order for it, so in the times and seasons when our culture was uh, absolutely supporting, we could have institutions such as the church and people would come to them. But now um, when in many cases the church is being looked at from an oppositional lens, (laughs) we have to be looking for ways to show the love of Christ in the world. So, so you say go mobile. Uh, go mobile. We have to, and so we have to look at, and it's not that we shouldn't have a church. It's not that we shouldn't have the structure of the church, uh, the place where the, uh, the body of Christ gathers together to refresh ourselves, to teach one another, to challenge one another. Absolutely. But then there has to be this other altogether, uh, I, not that it's been non-existent, um, 
but we have to double down on it for lack of a better way of saying it and say, okay, how am I going to use the time, talent, and treasure that the church is refining in me, that the Lord is moving to actively engage in the arenas of my life that are quote unquote non-church. So uh, go out into the hedges uh, and the byways. Yes, right? exactly. And so, and, and when you think about it, isn't it remarkable when you think about that, this is not, we're not talking about anything new. This is exactly what Christ commissioned us to do, yeah. but it is new for us. Uh, and I, I think that we as a body of believers are, um, are learning. We, uh, and if we're passion, uh, passionate for souls, we're passionate for our service to the Lord, we're going to continue this quest. But we have to examine ourselves more and more and more and look at what are the ministries that we are uh, doing and how can we show the love of Christ outside of the walls of yeah. the church. Yeah. Because the research is fairly compelling. People aren't coming to the church. <laughs> we have to come to them. And so, and my job, my job as president of the Christian school is to consistently put that in front of our kids, that there is not, nor has there ever been, but there is not a sacred and secular divide, Brian, you know that, but it's showing that everything is for Christ as a Christ follower. And how are you going to use the opportunity in front of you to advance the cause? He designed it. He ultimately owns it all. He spoke of the restoration of all things. We have such a narrative to live under, right? Correct. And to discover our our personal subplot narrative and fit it into that. I, I know you love that verse in Ephesians 2.10, don't you? That we are the workmanship I, absolutely. Of, of, of God, of Christ. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I just shared with somebody the other day, it's one of my favorite little things that the Lord has given me. And I think it's so important when we're talking about commissioning and being a salt, you know, being this redeeming agent in your job as an engineer, as a doctor, as uh, being in your neighborhood, the redeeming agent that is just showing Christ in all things. We, we are like a dot to dot page for lack of a better way of saying it, a dot to dot, dot to dot page. Okay. All right. And I call it uh, when, when I talk to our students, um, I, I share it as dot to dot theology is that um, when you're on that page, I can't see if I'm one, I can't see two. I can't, if, if you're teaching letters and dot to dots, if I'm A, I can't see B. We're on the same plane, we're on the same level. But there is this master creator that is weaving those dots together towards his masterpiece. Like yeah. And so our challenge is to in remind... In our personal life, but also with each other. Absolutely. In a, in a relational aspect. And he, he is just joining, as Ephesians 4 talks about, the body fitly joined together. Yeah. We don't always understand how uh, the workings of the Lord are being, uh, and how he is the architect and putting all of that together. Mm -hmm. And as you're... We don't understand always how we fit into this great narrative, mm -hmm. uh, but as we exercise and do the things that he, we do know that he's called us to do, there's beauty in just uh, seeing, uh, seeing that masterpiece come together and just knowing that we're a small part in it. That's so good. That's so good. I mean, we are called to be vice regents. <laughs> he's the king, but we are like commissioned to exercise dominion in this world. I think that Jesus is restoring us to that um, 
it comes in its fullness when the king comes again, but we at least got to be living up to the level he wants us to live up to now. What What is the best way for people to contact you, reach out for more information about these regional events you're doing and the school itself sure. online? So um, you could go to our website. Uh, for one, it's www.odcs.org, Open Door Christian Schools, so odcs.org. Um, you could reach me by email. Uh, if you go to the About Us section on our webpage, you'll see uh, my name and uh, contact information there it's uh, but it's denver.daniel at odcs.org um, and you could feel free to call us at 440-322-6386 all of that's on our website and we'd love to chat more about partnership opportunities and what we do um, in our little uh, portion of trying to uh, love the Lord and teach others to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Would you mind praying for us absolutely. along these lines? And, and let's just um, invite the Lord to um, work in our lives along these edges. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for Brian. Thank you for his work that he's doing, the opportunity just to share my heart. Uh, Lord, I pray, uh, and I know this in just the short time that I've known Brian, his heart, Lord, is just to honor you in all things and to love you well. And Lord, so I pray today that you would just guide us with your perfect wisdom and Lord, that we would walk in it. Lord, I pray today, uh, Lord, that as we face so many cultural issues and people are in so much need of a Savior, Lord, that we use these issues, we use these opportunities um, and not to beat people up, but to love people well and to introduce them to a Savior who loves them and is powerful enough to walk with them through every circumstance of their life. Lord, I thank you today for ministries such as Brian's. I thank you today for the privilege to serve uh, at Open Door Christian Schools. And I ask in all of these things that you would receive glory, that the saints would be edified and lost souls would come to you. Lord, we ask it all in your precious name. Thank you, Denver Daniel. Thank you. You're going to keep going, right? I'm going to certainly keep striving. Keep to do going. The same. <laughs> see, my friend, we come to Jesus to unlearn and learn. It's transformation by the renewing of our mind. Paul said the very spirituality, the very spirit of our mind is renewed. We now become open to an abundant, open universe. That is the mindset that Jesus invites us into. I appreciate everything that Denver's doing, including taking kingdom education into the broader community, into the marketplace of ideas. Go to the website, O-D-C-S, opendoorchristianschools.org to learn more, to stay connected. I think there's probably a, an email list that you can become a part of. Stay aware of these events that he referred to in the conversation, odcs.org. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. You can see the show notes page for this specific episode there with links and additional resources. We appreciate it when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You need to know that it's now on iHeartRadio and Spotify. If you have those apps on your phone, just search for Jesus Smart and you can subscribe right there and listen right through your iHeartRadio and Spotify app. 
Also want to invite you to sign up for the e-letter when you go to jesussmart.com. It's a near weekly e-letter. We try to curate next level ideas and insights to further develop us, to further advance us as a Christ follower and as an apprentice of his kingdom. You know it. Jesus is brilliant. He knows how this life works best right here, right now. We'll talk with you soon. Yeah.